Tapes. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, I'm Taylor Bybee from Coaster Studios, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi there, my name is Ryan Subler, and I'm from Christian Coasters, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Fernie. And me. From Kidult TV, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. I accept the Coaster Challenge. 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 Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? What is the Coaster Challenge? A group of regular people that went from fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses. It's time to take the Coaster Challenge. Here are your hosts, David Cantu and Jenna Gazelle. Hey, how's it going, Jenna? Great. How's it going, Dave? It's going good. Going good. Happy Friday. <sighs> yep. I can't. I, I. I. I can't believe we're getting closer and closer. We're, we're toward the end of August. Can't get over it, man. Can't get over it. I September. No wonder is, I'm so September, tired. September is around the corner, and uh, a lot going on. We got Labor Day coming up, and. Uh, School's back in session for me. Oh man, no wonder I'm so tired. But it's still getting, still staying hot out here in Southern California. Oh. I, I feel like the the heat, the heat, the summer heat just shifted. Like I think it stays pretty hot all the way until October. October. Yeah, I mean we really don't start feeling the cold weather until December. If we're lucky, December, December, January. Sometimes it's not until February. Yeah, I mean it's it, we we have some of the weirdest weather. I, literally, it's been kind of dry. Uh, we, we, yeah. We've been going through a severe drought here in the West Coast, and uh, which is mainly because we haven't been getting much rain. Yeah, there and was an article getting... that I saw about how this may be our new norm. Yeah, I mean, they were showing uh, Lake Mean out in the, near Las Vegas, Nevada. That's like uh, Lake Mean is part of the Colorado River, and uh, it's dropped 250 feet. And uh, that's a uh, Lake Mean is like the main water source that gives water to Vegas. Arizona, Southern California, and the Colorado River is just starting to dry up. There's a lot of major lakes further up north, all the way up to Idaho, going through the same um, thing. Shasta. Every time, the last couple of times that I've gone up to, to Oregon to go visit family, driving through Mount Shasta, the lake you know, it used to be very high. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to see the levels, and... I don't, it's like amazing how much it's dropped. Same thing with the Hoover Dam over in Arizona. Uh, the bare walls to the dam are now exposed for the first time. And, uh, and it's scary because the Hoover Dam, the water flow, generates the power for that oh, yeah. whole area. And if there's no water to get those turbines going, we're going to start, it's not just losing water, but... We could start losing power throughout the whole area of the West Coast, which is concerning. Yeah, it's very concerning. Very I think we all better start waking up and start paying attention to this. Uh, this is uh, not just a West Coast problem, but this could become an entire country problem as right. well. So, but I'm pretty sure we can get this. We've gone through a drought in the past. We're going to be going through it again. I, like you said, this is probably going to be a new normal. But you know, guys, I will tell you, it's been one heck of a summer. Kind of looking forward to the fall. This is where things get real busy i'm really looking forward to all the exciting events that the theme parks are going to be having this this season speaking of uh, speaking of special guests we've got a really awesome special guest with us today uh andrew's got a very very good friend of ours named nick guerrero nick is uh, a coaster enthusiast he's from tennessee he's been a huge supporter of coaster challenge been great friend love love chatting with him he's a big car guy which him and andrew <laughs> get along so well uh with cars but you know andrew and him are on the podcast today and they have a pretty incredible story you know what the one thing i can't wait for eventually is to be able to go to a lot of these parks with you and meet a lot of these people in person i think you will be amazed how amazing the roller coaster community is uh when i went to hollywood nights this past two months ago, I had every major coaster enthusiast, YouTuber, 
so you know channels are all flocked down the holiday world and i got to meet so many incredible people it's like also being an ace member i'm a proud member of the american coaster enthusiast it's a great organization and also i like coaster crew coaster crew is a really good group of coaster enthusiasts there's a lot of exciting things and they do all kinds of fun events like ace holes coaster con every year and this year it was up in the northeast up in pennsylvania up in the new jersey area they even do international trips where you get to go with a group of people and go to different areas of the world and be able to ride coasters at the parks there which i would love to take part of down the road eventually you know so i don't know some of the videos that we've seen from from like the europe from europe area some of those videos are a little scary with their safety issues well most of the ones we've seen have been at carnivals but the theme parks themselves they've got like god in europe in japan even in dubai china australia They've got incredible theme parks, incredible coasters. And I know so many friends that have traveled to many of those countries. We've had some right here right on this podcast. Got to share some of their experience. And if you guys haven't, I highly suggest those are new to listening. I would say go back to some of our episodes. We have quite a few guests that have traveled all over the world and have experienced so many different coasters that I hope to be able to experience someday as well. But yes, uh, Andrew's standing by with Nick today. But first, let's do our lovely segment jenna let's do our youtube highlight clip Clip of of the the week week. youtube clip of the week all right so jenna and i happened to find a really interesting youtube clip this is something that i was quite amazed this is a roller coaster it's pretty much a kiddie coaster it's actually inside of a family fun center in abu abu dhabi somewhere i would say probably abu dhabi m- middle east or <laughs> it's in the India. middle east it's in the it's in the uae abu dhabi yes that's correct <laughs> abu dhabi it's always uh, pronouncing but anyway so this is inside of a fam- uh, it's called sparky's family fun center and it's a kiddie coaster and if i had to describe what this kiddie coaster looked like it reminds me of a wilderness run coaster over at Carowinds, Cedar Point, Kings Island. Uh, Kings Island was known as the Great Pumpkin Coaster, but this one's very interesting because the title is uh, TPR Breaks the Roller Coaster at Sparky's Family Fun Center in Abu Dhabi. So these guys are on this coaster, and it's very interesting because I guess in the Middle East, they must not have so many restrictions like we've seen in carnivals in Europe, but this coaster is in a very tight tight indoor setting i can't believe i mean tight enough to where you can't even raise your hand the the whole term of keeping your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times this coaster really yeah (laughs) this coaster proves why they keep saying keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times because this particular coaster is indoors and it's in a very tight area to the point where if you raised your arms up there's this water sprinkler on the ceiling you can literally touch those those pipes you can touch the walls around the coaster the signage you can literally touch the neon signs these guys were literally touching everything around them you can't even put your arms up on this thing because like i said it's meant to be a kiddie coaster I don't think it's meant for adults to be riding this. I'm I'm still shocked at the fact that they built this coaster inside this really, really small area. Yeah, but what's interesting about what happened in this coaster is so they this type of coaster, you get two laps, two rounds. And so they go through the first round fine, but they're touching the walls. They're, these guys are touching the pipes in the ceiling. It's like, wow. I go, if this coaster went any faster, they'd be breaking a limb here. <laughs> I swear to God. And I will tell you, so they get through the first round. Then all of a sudden, they go through to the second second lap. And as they're going up the lift hill, all of a sudden, there was this sound. An and all of a sudden, this sort. pipe just flinged out of nowhere. And this pipe just fell to the floor on the coaster. I don't think it's a piece of track. But this coaster got stuck on the lift hill. They couldn't move it. But something like completely broke and it shows 
the guy filmed it this pipe like flinged off somewhere and it landed underneath them on the ground under the lift hill and they ended up getting an evac so these guys if they never gotten an evac they just got an evac credit on a coaster this time in dubai so it's like wow okay or abu dhabi <laughs> but yeah very interesting to see that a big and this is not a small piece of pipe folks this was like four feet of pipe. yeah at, at minimum four feet yeah and on a kitty coaster so yeah this one like i guess the guys were kind of joking because i guess one of the guys that every time he goes on a coaster it breaks oh. so he seems to have this jinx like every time i get on a coaster something happens so i'm i feel bad for that guy man because he's probably like oh man i'm afraid to get on the next big coaster because what's going to happen next right you know? so but anyway guys this is a very interesting clip but i will tell everybody safety is very important yeah this one thank god nobody got hurt but i guess something happened where it got stuck caused a four foot piece of pipe break it's not part of the track but it's very interesting but these guys kind of took it as a joke because they're on a kitty coaster and the thing breaks <laughs> Again, don't ever put yourself in harm's way on these rides. I mean, keep yourself safe. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, guys, if you want to check it out, it's called TPR Breaks the Roller Coaster at Sparky's Family Fun Center at Abu Dhabi, UAE. But this was a good YouTube highlight clip, clip of, of the, the week. week. YouTube clip of the week. All right, so Andrew is standing by with our special guest today. We got Nick Guerrero on. He's a really good friend of ours, great supporter of Coaster Challenge. Very excited to hear this episode, Jenna. So take it away, Andrew. Thank you, David and Jenna. This is Andrew, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast with you today. And I've got a special guest that we're interviewing today. He's one of a, a friend of mine, actually, and a fellow coaster enthusiast. I'd like to introduce to the podcast here to the audience, Nick. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thank you, Andrew. Happy to be here. Awesome. I'm happy to have you. So why don't we start off? Just uh, tell us a little about yourself. Again, my name is Nick Guerrero. I'm, I just turned 35. I'm a, a big advocate for coasters, theme parks, cars, all sports. I kind of love all that different type of stuff. I work for FedEx, which I love my job. And I am very happy to be friends with you, and David. So... <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, we well, we, we uh, would definitely value as a friend. We've enjoyed talking to you and doing, you know, uh, Zoom chats with you and, you know, on Instagram and, and you and I talk all the time because you and I both have uh, not just coasters in common, but sports cars. And so, so Nick, tell me, what was your first coaster that you wrote? Well, uh, I'm going to answer this in kind of a couple different parts, but my very, very first coaster was... Um, Little Dipper at Kitty Land, you know, which was just a kitty coaster. But then I worked my way up eventually several years later to uh, Viper at Six Flags Great America. And then from there to the real big leagues, uh, Shockwave, the Arrow Looper at uh, Six Flags Great America. So those are kind of my big three. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. So those are, those make sense for kind of your first coasters, you know, kind of your early one. And then you kind of first big coaster that that's, that's cool. That's cool. I actually love B&M wing coasters. Those are not very common. So in fact, that's the only, the second one I ever rode there was X-Flight and, you know, got some good wooden coasters. I mean, it's a, it's a good park. It's a great park. So. Yeah. I still think, feel like it flies under the radar too. It doesn't get talked. Yeah. It flies under the radar and it's basically at the same level coaster number, number of coasters as uh, Six Flags Great Adventure, which seems to get more publicity. I mean, Six Flags Great Adventure was my original home park growing up in New Jersey. And that during the coaster wars, I mean, that's got King to Cop. Uh, you know, it's one of the ones that got Batman the ride back in the early 90s. And, you know, it's gotten a lot of, of coasters over the years. Uh, you know, it's gotten flyers and uh, Nitro, Hyper, you know, B&M Hyper. So it's gotten a lot more love, I think, than maybe Great America has gotten over time. But so, yeah, like you said, it flies under the radar. Yeah, it's a shame. I think part of it, too, is being in the Chicago area, that's a huge metroplex. But the weather isn't quite as, as cooperative as it is in New Jersey for a longer coaster season and, you know, things like that. So... Yeah, no, it's yeah. definitely a shorter season for sure. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. So what I'd like to ask you about, I'm guessing it's not the kitty coaster you mentioned, but maybe <laughs> is tell, tell me, and this could, again, it could be when you were a kid, it could be a week ago. Uh, maybe, well, not a week ago. I know you've been to parks in a little while, but whenever it was in your life, what would you say was the coaster that scared you the most before you definitely got shot? Definitely shockwave. You know, my first big shockwave. Yep. So your first, okay. So what what scared you about it 
the unknown, the first time going on inversions, the first time going on something that tall. I mean, Shockwave, when it debuted, was one of the tallest, if not the tallest coaster in the world. You know, it was like 172 feet. And I, I just looked up that thing, at that thing like it was out of this world. And uh, it had it all. So I figured if I can ride that, I could ride it. Yeah, when was Shockwave built? That was probably, what, late 80s? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because it was, you know, the Shockwave, Great American Scream Machine, Viper, they all kind of, you know, very similar, just a few height differences. Yeah, I, that actually, yeah, it's interesting because uh, Great American Scream Machine at Great Adventure, that was my first looping coaster as well. So we kind of have that in common, the kind of Arrow Mega Loopers. I mean, you and I are pretty close in age, so it makes sense that an Arrow Mega Looper would be our first looping coaster and one of the scariest coasters. Yeah, okay, makes sense, makes sense. Talk to me. I mean, how, how old were you when you first rode Shockwave? I was about seventh, eighth grade uh, around that. So I don't know what age that would be. Probably like 13, 14. Um, okay. You know, it took me a while because I rode Viper pretty early and then it took me a while to build up to going on a looping coaster. So I kind of got peer pressured in on one of our physics trips there and fell in love ever since though. So it worked out well. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I love the Six Flags parks. They have their place. They're great for thrill coasters. And, you know, a lot of their parks have a lot of coasters. You can get like a crazy coaster day. But one thing that drives me crazy is how they name their rides. They use the same names, but for different types of coasters. It's like when you talk <laughs> about Viper, I'm thinking about, well, Viper, you mentioned earlier, Viper, the Mega Looper, Arrow Mega Looper at Magic Mountain, you know, or Great American Scream Machine. I always thought of that as the Mega Looper at Great Adventure. Well, the wooden coaster... Well, quite frankly, the atrocity in its current form that it is at Six Flags Over Georgia, that's a great American screw machine. And I guess you'll be experiencing that in a, in a month or two, right? Yeah. Fourth of July right? weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I've only ridden that once. That was a total one and done for me, at least for the time being. When I rode it in 2018, first time I went to Six Flags Over Georgia, the only time I've been there thus far. It was so rough. It is the roughest wooden coaster I've been on. But you know, you and I were chatting recently offline and I, I a friend of mine that's been there recently said they've done a lot of retracking so you'll have to let me know if it's gotten better so yeah you'll know yeah, the absolutely. quality of it from writing it <laughs> okay very <laughs> good okay so you were kind of a early teenager getting on shockwave there so talk to me what you were thinking what was going through your mind and your feelings and so forth as you were kind of going through the line through the queue approaching the loading station yeah, that, and that was a tough queue to walk for my first one because it was a long queue. You got a long walk, you know, now it's Superman's queue, but you got a long walk to get to that loading station, basically from the inner of the park all the way almost to the parking lot. So I had a lot of thinking and it was everything from nerves to anxiety to a little bit of excitement, but everything else nerve wise was kind of what was taking over. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, I was like, oh, put not a happy face, but deep down I was trembling, you know, so I was pretty nervous, but a little excited. Okay. Okay. So primarily like feeling anxious, feeling fearful, because again, it's a new experience. You were concerned how it was going to go, right? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. But a yeah. little, okay. But a little bit excited. Okay. All right. So then you obviously wrote it. You mm -hmm. already heard about that. And then tell, tell me, how did you feel after you got off the ride? I felt amazing after getting off the coaster. I kind of felt like this burst of relief and happiness and excitement, you know, because I, I conquered something that I didn't think I was ever going to conquer. And I love the feeling that I got, you know, going through those inversions and going on the ride. So um, it was just pure joy and just pure relief. Okay. Okay. So, you know, feeling afterwards, and this is what we hear again and again from our guests. And it's not surprising, you know, you conquer a fear and it goes from being, you go from being anxious about it and nervous about it to, oh, wow, that was fun. And I want to do more of this. You know, our mega looper, those, like you said, back in the day, back in the late eighties, those were really tall, but I'm guessing you've been on taller coasters, even more inversions faster, right? Oh yeah. No, I mean, I've been on King to Ka, I've been on X, I've been on pretty much you name it. I've been on it. Okay. All right. So you've been, and you've been on top Thor dragster as well, I'm assuming. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So top Thor dragster, King to Ka, less of a degree, and certainly X or X2. Certainly those are the types of coasters that we hear a lot from a lot of our guests that they're very afraid of and, and so forth. But you did those later after you kind of conquered your initial fears with, with shockwaves. So getting on X for the first time or getting on top of Dragster or King to Ka, did you not really have much of that nervousness and anxiety? 
Um, not as much, definitely a shockwave, you know, but if there's something new and something I haven't experienced before, you know, your examples are perfect, like a dragster, like at the time when I, I wrote X, I hadn't been on X2, but it was still the original X. I was still a little nervous because, you know, the unknown and back then, you know, weren't really the, the ride POVs and all these YouTube channels and stuff. So I was a little nervous, but, you know, it was more of a good excitement nervous now, you know, instead of just literally flat out being scared. <laughs> Okay, so that's interesting. So, and it makes sense to me, and this is kind of why I asked you actually, Nick, is now we have a theory that, and, and it's not just coasters, it could be anything, but if, if someone in their life, if they work on facing their fears in a very concerted effort, I'm obviously waiting in line, going into the loading station, getting on a coaster, you know, putting down the restraints and getting on the coaster, because not everyone does that. Sometimes people, as they say, chicken out and they get to the loading station and they just walk across and they go over to the exit and wait for their buddies that are going to go on the coaster. But if you actually go through that concerted effort and get on the ride and conquer that fear, I call that fear training or fighting fear training. And, and that prepares you to be able to deal with potentially scary situations without having as much fear down the line. So, you know, for me, my first coaster, that was a looping coaster, again, the Great American Scream Machine, that was really scary. And yeah, I've had some scary experiences since then uh, on coasters, even though it was years later. The one big blip for me was X2, or when I first wrote it, X, and I've talked about it here on this podcast before, you know, a lot of our listeners a lot of our guests have similar opinions about X for various reasons. But other than that, I mean, there's been very few coasters, you know, going on my first hyper coaster, my first giga coaster, going on these super fast launch coasters that are also pretty tall as well, like a King to Ka, like a Topo Dragster, Formula Rosa, et cetera. But I haven't had any of that level of fear for me. It's mainly this like, oh my God, I want to get on this. I want to experience this. So has that kind of been that way for you, Nick, overall is again, less about fear of the, with these new rides and more about just getting excited to get on them yeah no absolutely i think that's a perfect way to put it you know i still have those little bit of nerves but like i said it's more of the excited nerves you know just because human beings it's natural you know the unknown so we'll be a little nervous about that but yeah i mean anything that comes out i'm just i can't wait to get on it i know with all this craziness that had happened with the pandemic and all that we've we've gotten a lot of new coasters coming out now we're parks are starting to open up and different things and starting to plan coaster trips again and I'm super pumped to get on all these new rides that I haven't been on yet. Oh, I bet. I'm sure I feel the same way. And, you know, looking at, if we look at things on a calendar year basis, you know, and if you, if you think about it, the pandemic here in the U S kind of started towards the beginning of last year, you know, about March is when it really kicked in, you know, versus say this year we're now, so this, this is being recorded here in very late May of 2021. And it's just a, you know, a couple months past the one year anniversary of the pandemic, but you know, us as coaster enthusiasts, granted, you know, myself, I live in Florida. I know you live in Tennessee, you know, towards the South, we're kind of used to being able to either with local parks or, you know, for you parks that are not terribly far away, you can do it in a day's drive, getting to parks that are pretty much open year round, certainly for me are open year round here in Florida. And it's, just been night and day, you know, for my experience here this year, you know, the parks have been open the whole time. They've been open since the last summer, quite frankly, here in Orlando. But not only that, but getting on, you know, like I've talked about at length on this podcast, my new number one Velocicoaster, you know, this brand new coaster opening this year. It's just, it's such, it's like night and day between this year and last year. And thank God for that. You know, we all knew this pandemic wasn't going to go on forever, you know, but, but, you know, it certainly could have been where this year was like last year, you know, they were still concerned about social distancing and, and a capacity and, and surges and so forth. So we're, you know, we're fortunate in that regard that at least this, it seems like it was just kind of like a year of really kind of focused quarantine and social distancing and the masks and everything else. And thank God for science and the, and the, you know, vaccine, vaccines, the various companies have come up with the vaccines. And here we are with new coasters opening. And, you know, Nick, I know you and I were texting earlier today about, you know, when you're planning to come down here to Florida, ride some of these new coasters like Velocicoaster and probably by then Iron Gwazi when you're going to be here and, and et cetera icebreaker and whatnot. And, you know, again, I think, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast with other guests about how the pandemic taught us what we've been taking for granted in a huge way. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, put. well put. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, and, that, and that's a good lesson to learn in life. 
big, very important lesson. So, well, in any case, so, okay. So you've got some of this fear training, even when you're a teenager, you know, with shockwave and now you're really more focused on enjoying coaster than, than being afraid of them, even brand new ones. So tell me perhaps in other areas, even beyond theme parks and coasters, how riding shockwave, conquering that fear, getting yourself to be able to conquer fear, did that impact your life in other ways? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, and it still does to this day. You know, I was young, obviously, you know, uh, life hadn't fully grabbed me yet at that point when I was going through shockwave, but I still have very vivid memories of that day and kind of use that technique towards anything, whether it's a new challenge at work or a new challenge at home, you know, outside of, of work or things like that. I'll kind of go, okay, you know, look at out how this turned out. I was super scared for years to go on these coasters and go on inversions. And then I went on it and now I couldn't do without. It's gotten me countless numbers of memories and now friends and great relief and feelings, you know, and that, that was part of it too. You know, I struggle with anxiety and I struggle with panic attacks and things like that. And, and coasters kind of do give me some of that relief. And, you know, so even if I'm going through something like that, I can think about the next coaster I want to go on or think about the next park I'm going to go to or start tatting with like you or David about stuff. And it, it kind of helps me in that aspect too. So in more ways than one coasters and theme parks, and immensely helped my life. That's fantastic. Wow. So yeah, obviously I know you being in Tennessee, uh, you're, you live near Memphis, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So there's not like a lot of coasters near you and so forth. So, you know, when you're having uh, some anxious feelings about whatever it may be in life, or even maybe even God forbid a panic attack or something like that, you can't necessarily just jump on a coaster, but have you had maybe not living in Tennessee or maybe the timing was right, or maybe when you used to live here in Florida, would you have, you know, in your adult life, or at least since you wrote Shockwave as a teenager, have you had times where you were feeling anxious or maybe depressed or or just going through kind of a bad time in those kind of ways where you went to the parks and they helped you? Yeah. And I'll actually answer kind of both ways because here, yeah, unfortunately, Opryland and parks that would have been close to me have closed down. But um, what I do now is I'll go on, on YouTube and I'll watch, you know, ride videos videos or, you know, like I love that aerodynamics documentary that Ace did or, you know, things like that. So if I can't get to a park like I am now, I'll, I'll do something like that where I'll, I'll watch something on YouTube. But when I was living in Florida, absolutely. Because actually when I was living in Florida in Orlando is when the panic attack part of my anxiety really started to, to surface and, and have issues. And the first time I had it, you know, luckily my parents were just a few hours away and they drove up with me. And the first thing we did when they got there, we slept and woke up the next morning and went to Universal, had a great day at Universal. And from there, obviously I went to the doctor and did some checks and things like that. But going to that, to those parks, you know, Islands of Adventure and Universal really helped get me through until I could start to take care of that with, you know, medicine or whatever I needed. Sure. And that's, that's really, really great. And I love hearing that. I mean, this is not a new story. This is something that I myself have experienced. I'm going through a lot of challenges myself, right? In my life, early 2021, as, as you know, you know, I've talked to you at length about it, Nick, offline. And and I've been spending a lot of time in the parks lately, not necessarily because of what I'm going through, but certainly that's part of it is like, I know I want to get out and do stuff and see my friends and do these things that give me escape from the real world for a little bit, that healthy escape and, and that theme park therapy, as I like to call it. But another aspect of it too is, you know, icebreaker excuse me, an icebreak, <laughs> a Velocicoaster opening, not the same, not even the same company, Premier versus Intamin. But yeah, with Velocicoaster opening, you know, here back in early May for pre previews and now it's soft opening technical rehearsals. I just, I'm like, yeah, I got to be universal. I'm there about once, maybe twice a week, which considering universal is about 45 minutes to an hour from my home. You know, that's a, it's, it's pretty good considering all my, you know, the work I have to do and take care of my animals, take care of my house, my pool, my hot tub and all that. But I get down there more than I generally have in the past because of that new amazing coaster. And it's been great for me to help kind of just give me stress relief and just avoid having crippling anxiety. So I love that, you know, you, even when you were younger, you know, still living in Florida, you had that experience. And so you mentioned YouTube videos too, because like you said, you can't always get to the parts now. So I, I think that's interesting because you and I, we oftentimes chat at night because we're not working. We're both not working. So we have more free time. And, you know, oftentimes when I'm checking in with you, Hey, what are you up to? And you're like, yeah, watching YouTube videos. So, so yeah, that's kind of the next best thing to being at the park. So do you watch a lot of POVs and things like that? I try to avoid POVs a lot now, you know, unless 
especially if it's something new. But um, I do love watching, you know, different videos, like I said, like that Arrow documentary or, you know, there's people that have top 10 lists, you know, of, oh, the best inversions or the top coasters in Europe or, you know, things like that. I, you know, I, I love all that type of stuff. Or there's there's a great uh, series uh, called Problematic Coasters. Uh, I love watching that, you know, so things like that are really what what intrigued me. I try not to spoil myself with the POVs too much. I will watch the POVs on stuff from back in the day, you know, defunct coasters or whatnot that, you know, I long to ride again, but won't. So that kind of gives me my fix. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. I feel pretty much the same way. I really have gotten the point over the past, I don't know, five, 10 years or so, where maybe in the past, I would look at POVs and spoil myself. But now I'm like, nope, not going to do it. I'm going to, I want to experience the ride for myself. Yeah, I totally get so, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How, how many times, no, but just be honest, Nick, how many times have you watched that documentary? Honestly, I've probably watched it four or five times. I probably would have watched it more in college because I know I've talked to you about this, Andrew, especially when we first started talking. Um, you know, one of my big college papers I wrote was on Ron Toomer because I was fascinated right. by him and all that. You know, he, I mean, he changed the coaster industry back in the day when he was doing what he was doing, you know, with Magnum and all that. So, right. you know, I, I would have probably watched it maybe a dozen times back then. But, you know, now with the family and work and things like that, I don't have as much time. But I always seem to once in a while kind of just, you know, that shows up on my recommendations. I'm like, you know what? I want to watch that again. <laughs> so it's been yep. four or five times at least. Yep. I know. I remember exactly where I was when I wrote that. I was, was back when I was traveling a, a lot for uh, work. And I remember I was in a hotel in the Bay Area, far from SF. Airport in San Francisco there. And I'd recently heard about that document. It was a number of years ago, a few years ago. I'm like, oh, I got to check this out. So I finished dinner, I came back to the hotel and I watched it for the first time. I was like, oh my God, it's blown away. Because in, in reality, yeah, it is about Arrow. But the reality is it's really about the evolution of modern theme park attractions, especially coasters, but log flumes as well. Because Arrow, starting with the Matterhorn back in the very late 1950s with Disney, they invented the steel coaster, the modern mm -hmm. coaster, and then went from there and, you know, they they were the kings of coasters back into, you know, from the 50s into and through the 1980s. And it wasn't until, you know, the late 80s and the early 90s when B&M came around, you know, of course, with their inverted models like Batman and later, you know, Montu and Alpengeist and all these other inverts that, you know, happened through the 90s. But and then, of course, other models from B&M, Floorless and whatnot. But really, Arrow was the the pretty much the only game in town that for major parks coasters and other attractions as like log flumes and whatnot you know for a long time so it's really a history of you know modern history of parks yeah absolutely i i was shocked watching it knowing how like not knowing how much involvement they actually had at disneyland and opening all those attractions so that was that was kind of cool to read because i'm kind of a disney nerd too so oh yeah and you you worked at disney during the college program didn't you yep i worked i did that and then i also worked at universal uh, after that because when I graduated, I was going to go back down to and go to UCF and do hospitality and all that stuff. So I ended up working uh, at both parks. Awesome. And I believe you worked at a very special attraction at Universal, didn't you? I did. Uh, Dueling Dragons. Not not Dragon Challenge, not Hagrid's. The original Dueling Dragons. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I rode Dueling Dragons. I went to Islands for the first time just a few years after it opened. I, I experienced OG Islands of Adventure in uh, God, October of 2001. I, I went there, I think just for the day. And, and I rode Dueling Dragons. I did Spider-Man. I did Hulk. You know, all these uh, incredible rides. It's still incredible, right? Well, of course, Dueling Dragons is not here anymore, unfortunately. But Hulk and Spider-Man are. And even, you know, 20 years later, they're still awesome. And and all these new things that have come, in, come in, you know, and replaced other things and so forth. But yeah, Islands is such an amazing park. And it's that's really cool that you, you know, you didn't just work on, you know, that worked in a store or something or at a kiosk. You actually worked on a, a highly revered and unfortunately defunct coaster. So, I mean, how many times have you ridden Dueling Dragons, would you estimate? Oh, geez. That's, that's a good question because it's a lot because, you know, we got, when I was a lead, you know, one of the leads usually was one of the ones who rode, did the test ride in the morning if you were opening. So, you know, I would do that every time I worked. And then whenever I was there, I would ride it multiple times because, you know, I knew people. So I would just kind of get right on. So I don't even know, probably, I don't know, maybe a hundred times fireside, 80 times on the ice side. I was definitely a wow. Chinese fireball fan over the, the ice side, but uh, 
both were wow that's were good that's really cool yeah i figured it was going to be in the, in the dozens if not hundreds that's impressive and you know i know some people that keep track of their number of rides i mean coaster count which is the app that i use to keep track of my credits you know how many coasters i've been on period and how many parks i've been to and whatnot it's a great app i love it it does allow you to count re-rides i don't do that but i know people that you know for their favorite coasters they do that but you know i actually decided to start doing that because i'm obsessed with Velocicoaster. <laughs> and my, my buddy Austin, he he actually posts on Twitter. It may still be his pin post that he's obsessed with it too, but it's such an amazing coaster. And and I, I've been keeping track thus far, at least, uh, of how many rides I've had on about 15. And I, I even start updated my social media. That's my tagline, how many rides I've had on. I'm, we'll see if I keep it up or not. But uh, the other thing I'm really enjoying about it is is getting on Velocicoaster with people that have not been on it yet, like buddies and friends that are visiting town. I've got a friend of mine, actually a friend of the show, Bennett Coaster Dolphin. He was actually one of the first guests on the Coaster Challenge podcast. He's going to be in town this week and he already he and I are already making plans to probably on Friday meet up and uh, and get on Velocicoaster. So be able to, I mean, on his first ride, but one of his first rides, get to be able to join him. And then other friends of mine, uh, they're coming at the end of June and their first time on Velocicoaster. And I'm planning to be there first day with them. And it's, you know, it's so much fun. And uh, you'll, you'll understand when you get here, I guess maybe early next year, it sounds like, you know, Nick, you'll, I think you'll understand yeah, hopefully. why. I, I'm I hoping it. sooner, but um, <laughs> you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yep. Yep, for sure, for sure. Okay, well, tell me, tell me, what was the craziest moment you ever had on a coaster? As a rider, I would say yes. uh, the first, the first time going on X, um, which I know you said you know you hear a lot, but it really was because you know it was just kind of a guy's trip. Me, my dad, my brother went went to California. You know, we went to Six Flags Magic Mountain, obviously one day, and we sprinted back to X. That was the new big coaster, you know, still in its pink paint glory. And we, my brother and I hopped on, we were the second ride of the day. And all of a sudden, you know, we lower and we start backing up, going up the lift hill. And like I told you, I didn't really have POVs or things to watch at that point. And my brother and I just look at each other halfway up the lift. And we're like we both say our, at the same time, are we about to go down this drop backwards? And we, we had no idea what was happening, but then sure enough, you know, it flips you over and you kind of face dive down and man, that, that coaster is, I know this is cliche, but it is literally like nothing else you could ever experience in your life. It, it's nuts. And that was probably the craziest feeling I've had on a coaster as a rider for sure. You know, I've had some other crazy off ride experiences, you know, like when I worked at Universal and stuff, but on ride, definitely that X story. You know, and that's totally respectable and totally understandable. I've not been on that ride, you know, 80 or 100 times like you've been on Dueling Dragons, but I've been on X quite a few times. And yeah, that ride, and I've ridden its two sister coasters, Dinaconda at China Dinosaur Park, as well as Ajanaika at uh, Fujiku Highlands. I've ridden all three. That's one of my kind of feathers in my cap, but I've ridden all three of them. I'm very proud of that. And they're all very similar, by the way. And they they are all, you know, those arrow 40 shilky masterpieces and <laughs> shilky masterpieces are very different. And again, I'm not trying to be too superlative, but while those are, you know, those are your quad rail coasters and there's nothing else like them out there. It really wasn't until, you know, certainly after riding X, you know, God, I rode X the first time, you know, back in what was it, late 2001, it would be about 10 years later, January, 2011, I rode Formula Rosa and I've written, you know, all kinds of crazy guys, I've written King to Cough years after X and Top of Dragster about, you know, two years later, you know, all these crazy fast coasters and crazy LSM launch coasters and, you know, things like Volcano I, I've ridden since then. So, you know, I've had all these, you know, other unique experiences, unique coasters. Verbolton, you know, is another very unique one, great theming, but, you know, launch coaster, but it's, it's you know, it's got the show building stuff and rock and roller coaster, all these crazy coasters. It wasn't until this year, basically 20 years later, where riding Velocicoaster between the theming of it, the layout of it, the pacing of it, I finally have ridden a coaster where I'm just wowed again, not scared like I was of X. X still scares me. All three of those hour 40s coasters scare me because of that first drop. It's just it, it, that that goes against human life preservation that we all have. That's why people have a hard time jumping off of buildings, even though David just did that. <laughs> but, you know, it's just X fall, you know, and and just I, I just recently experienced Falcon's Fury for the first time, Bush Gardens Tampa. And it's same thing. It's like, oh, wow, that's 
like X, but as a drop ride, but the rest of X doesn't really freak me out. But Velocicoaster, it's not, again, not a fear thing. It's just a, a wow, like, oh my God, that ride is intense and amazing. You know, I'm glad I finally had a, a, another experience like that, you know, after all these crazy hundreds of coasters between 2001 and now. So, um, so I totally get why X would be such a unique experience now. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you. So, so Nick, so you talked about your most unique on-ride experience was X again, totally get it. Makes sense. Like we talked about, what about your off-ride experiences? Sound like maybe you had some experiences working as a team member at Universal. Can you maybe tell us a couple of uh, gems there? Yeah, no, absolutely. The one I always jump right to is, uh, the first time we had the evac, uh, the ice dragon off of the, uh, the break run. So the break, Run is kind of right there by the, the main castle, which actually still stands there for Hagrid. Um, right next to there is where the first set of brakes were for the Ice Dragon. And then, you know, it'd be released and it would go kind of make a half horseshoe and then go into the castle. One time we had some electrical issues or something happened, you know, transmitter went out, lightning storm. I, I forgot exactly what it was, but the, the dragon came to the brakes and it hard stopped right on those brakes. And kind of we lost power to everything. It's pouring rain. It's windy. You know, one of those Florida storms I'm sure you're all too familiar with that just pops up in the middle of the day for no reason for about an hour. And, oh, um, yes. Yep. <laughs> and so we, uh, me and my team, we, you know, we do our lockout tag out stuff. We head out there. We just start evacuating the people off the ride. But, you know, this this break runs a good, I don't know, 100 feet in the air, 80 feet in the air. So you're having to get them out, escort them down, back up into the castle. And then then from there, you know, you go, oh, I'm going to backdoor you on the next ride you want to go on or, you know, taking care of that guest service. But just the experience of evacuating people, which I always find to be fun as a rider, but doing it from the other perspective was pretty unique. But on top of that, with it being pouring rain, being where it was, you know, and kind of that open, you know, field of where Dragons was and then, you know, wearing our our costumes or our theming or whatever you want to call it that we were wearing. It was just a perfect storm of a fun, fun time. Literally and figuratively perfect storm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So being that it's an inverted coaster, so did you guys have to, how does that work with, because people don't have, you know, flooring under them to be. Yeah, well, the, the brake run has, has like a metal graded floor underneath it with stairs going up to it. So there's kind of this tool you get and it's right above the harnesses. You'll lock the harnesses, they pop up and then you can only do one row at a time. You, you have to have a person in front of you and a person or excuse me, a person in the front of the pack and a person behind the last uh, to kind of escort and make sure people don't run off or, you know, go into the track's path or anything. So they just hop off onto the steel grade. We'd walk them down the stairs, back up into the castle, run back out and do it again for the next row. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. For safety reasons, you have to take it, you know, one row at a time. You have to be really careful for sure. So is that, yeah, I get that there's flooring under there and I've seen that on inverts, but isn't there, isn't it like right not below people's feet, you know, for clearance reasons that people have to kind of jump down or. Yeah, it's just, it's a little hop down. You know, if, if you were a little bit shorter or younger, you might have a little bit of a, a hop, but most of the time if you know, the parents would kind of help them hop down or, you know, I'd grab their hands so they could do it or whatnot, but it wasn't too bad. Interesting. Interesting. So I've not personally had this experience, but uh, there was a friend of mine a couple of years ago here in Florida did a, a special tour or actually they can climb up the lift hill and stuff on Shikra at Bush Gardens, Tampa. Of course, that's a, you know, pretty tall B&M floorless, excuse me, dive coaster, but also floorless. They were telling me that if the train gets stuck on the lift hill, which can happen, you know, especially with block safety type features. And, you know, if, if the next train has an issue and, you know, they may get stuck in the lift hill, may have to evac. And they were telling me that, and they were showing me pictures they took that there's flooring, there's these floorboards and metal floorboards that they have to put into place on the lift hill so that people can get off because it's too, it's too far down and so forth. It's just crazy to have to be evac in those. Okay. So that's a really good story. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, with regard to uh, kind of that evac situation with, with dueling dragons. Very cool. So tell me, we've talked about a few coasters you've been on. Maybe you've already mentioned this particular one, but what is your favorite coaster of all time? My favorite coaster of all time. And uh, I know I get some controversy uh, for this, but it's uh, Raptor at Cedar Point. Um, I don't know why. I just, that, that coaster has got a special place in my heart and I love it. And I haven't had anything really come close for a long time other than uh, lightning rod at Dollywood. That, that's a, a close two. Okay. So, so, so those are very good answers. When I first rode Raptor, 
it would have been my first visit to Cedar Point, which was in 2001. Definitely got some good po- coasters that year, good parks. First time at Islands, first time at Cedar Point. So just tell me, I'm curious why that's controversial is because among the B&M inverts or among coasters in general, you know, a lot of people don't really have that as one of their favorites. Yeah, I just think, yeah, you don't really hear, especially even at that park, you know, people hardly even have it in their top three or top five at that park. So the fact that it's my overall, I'd say that's kind of why it's a little controversial or funky. But those BMM inverts, I, I haven't been on a bad one. I, I love them. You know, maybe it's because of the dragon stuff, but it's always had a special place in my heart. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, but, you know, as far as Raptor being your favorite, I think there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I know, Mac, you may have heard of this person. A friend of mine, fellow coaster enthusiast, I've met her a couple of times here in Florida. She lives here in Orlando. She, her nickname, as some some enthusiasts, they kind of have coaster-based nicknames. Uh, she goes by Raptor Joe. Her name is Joe. Her favorite coaster manufacturer is B&M. She loves B&M. She's worn a, worked on Mako for a number of years at SeaWorld here in Orlando. She, I believe, worked on Raptor, Dueling Dragons, et cetera. She, she's, a, you know, loves, loves B&Ms, especially their inverts. So I think there's nothing wrong with you having Raptor as your favorite. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. We don't like to talk about too much negativity on the show, but, but you know, just to kind of see the other end of things for you. So, you you know, you love B&M inverts. I just mentioned that, and Raptor is your favorite. So, of all coasters you've been on, what would you say your least favorite coaster is? My least favorite coaster is Son of Beast without the loop. Um, I have, I don't know if it's the fortune or misfortune of having both credits, both with the loop and without the loop, but uh, that was hands down the worst coaster I've ever been on. It was rough. It was boring. It was just a horrible mess of a ride, uh, especially after they tried to repair all the issues that they had. They took the loop out and changed the trains and everything they did. But yeah, Son of Beast without the loop, hands down. (laughs) How did you feel about Son of Beast with the loop? It was okay. I I think about it more and more, you know, especially because you and I have talked about it before. I, I liked it. It was fine. You know, I think what I, the reason I say I liked it was more of the novelty of, of what it was back in the day. You know, that was the biggest, baddest thing out there. And the first time with a loop on a wooden coaster, and you know, over 200 feet and all that stuff. And so, you know, I don't remember getting off and saying, oh my gosh, I need to ride that again and again. I just remember thinking like, oh, that's cool. I conquered, you know, this no pun intended, beast of a ride. We went back <laughs> years later and the loop was gone and it was just trash. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Any other stories you wanted to tell? Um, I don't think so. I think we've, we've covered a pretty good array of things. I just, I, I do want to thank, you know, you and David, you know, especially you, Andrew, for getting me involved in this and getting me involved with the Coaster Challenge community and bringing awareness to it. You know, I'm I'm going to a park this weekend. I will be uh, proudly wearing one of my Coaster Challenge or Coaster Challenge podcast shirts. I look forward to the day where you can show me around and do all those things you want to do, like getting on VelociCoaster and Iron and all that. So uh, thanks for having me. Awesome. No, absolutely. And my, my pleasure. And, you know, I've loved you and I, you know, how we've connected over these past couple of years. And and I also love how how much, as you were just describing, you've really embraced the mission of Coaster Challenge and you wear our, our apparel proudly at parts. And in fact, uh, I believe, you know, David, who's, who's on here with us, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you with uh, getting a shirt for Tucker, your son, your very young son, Tucker is the youngest Coaster Challenge fan. I'm pretty sure of that. So thank you for that as well. And great, great photo you've, you've sent of, of, of Tucker. And, and I love that you've named, named Tucker going back to the other hobby and, and, and passion that you and I share, cars and, and sports cars and whatnot. You named him after the famous Tucker car, which was way ahead of its time. That's really cool. You know, some of the people we have on the show, they are, they have YouTube channels and, and so forth. And, you know, I not, not everyone has that. So I, I believe Nick, you don't really have any channels, but normally the last thing we ask people is where people can, can find you on the, you know, whether it be a website or, you know, social media, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, Twitter, you know, YouTube channel. Uh, is there anything like that that you'd like to share with our audience so they can find you and connect with you? I don't, like you said, I don't really have that uh, youtube channel and that stuff you know if you guys want to um, look for me i'm always you know liking or posting on the coaster challenge stuff or you know you 
can look up the friends of David or Andrew and find me if you want to chat for sure. I mean, you know, I, I will definitely plug a couple YouTube channels and podcasts, sure. you know, the, the, the ACE podcast, you know, obviously I've been on that as well. So, but you know, that's, that's helps you, Andrew. And, and sure. uh, you know, if you guys are loving Thank this you. podcast, go check that one out. You know, I, I love all the different YouTube channels like Airtime Thrills and Coaster Dash and Theme Park Predictions and Theme Park Crazy. You know, there's tons of great ones out there. El Toro Ryan. So go on, you know, check those out if you can't get your coaster fixed, especially with being far away or, you know, you just can't get to a park that day, you know, get on your phone or your, your TV and watch or listen to some of those channels or podcasts. Great. Those are some great ones right there. And and yeah, thank you for plugging some other um, great, you know, YouTube channels and whatnot. You know, certainly one of the things about our podcast and our channel that's a little different is we are not in it for ourselves. This is where any money that we make from selling t-shirts and other apparel goes to charity. We So, you know, given that, it makes it very easy for us. And that's what I love about Coaster Challenge to really not be in competition with anyone else. We're not in competition with anyone else. We believe in building people up and supporting other channels. You know, we support any channel that, you know, just tries to do what they can to, to help the community. We don't like people and channels that tear others down or bully and whatnot. We're very anti-bullying. But, but again, if you've got a good channel, like you mentioned some good channels there that are just trying to, you know, push the, the enthusiasm and help people to, to be passionate about this, this, this great hobby. That's awesome. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being on the show with us today. Nick, it was great talking to you. It was great talking to you as well. And again, I appreciate being on the show. And anytime you guys need anything as far as Coaster Challenge, you know you can reach out to me. And when Tucker gets a little older, Tucker. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Look forward to that. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Nicholas. That was really awesome. I think it was a great episode, Jenna. What do you think? Yeah, I mean... I didn't realize Andrew was that big of a sports nut or sports car nut. <laughs> Me personally, I like muscle cars, but you know, each they their are own. Both big on Porsche. They yeah. love Porsche cars, and I, I agree. Porsches are great, great sports cars. I know they. Uh, Nick is really big on Porsche. I've seen several of his posts on Instagram. Really awesome, and uh, he's just been a great friend. And uh, his coaster story and him working at the theme parks just really amazing. I just uh, really, really hope that everybody out there who's listening learned something today from from Nicholas. And uh, oh, definitely. Was, and uh, I will say that it was a great episode. Really want to thank thank him for coming on and supporting us podcast we've got another very exciting episode happening next week but justin how can our listeners be able to find us on social media if you enjoyed today's episode be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and if you want to see more from us we upload every friday and check us out on facebook instagram twitter youtube all at coaster challenge links in the description thank you justin well guys make sure to tune in with us next week don't forget to hit that subscribe button and make sure to share our podcast with your friends and family make sure to give us a thumbs up five star on this episode and make sure to since drop some comments in there let us know what you think send us some feedback we'd love to hear from you but until then this is david Cantu. this is jenna gazelle we'll see you all next week right here on coaster challenge yeah.